accepting and honoring all the parts of yourself is such beautiful work and I think it's okay to let go of old belief systems and what you've clung to in the past and to understand your new narratives. Hello and welcome to the Method Supply Podcast. Intentional conversations with incredible humans sharing their daily method. This week, Rachel talks with Mimi Cole. Mimi is a grad student and an advocate for mental health. On this episode, Mimi shares her passion to help others prioritize their mental health through her platform, The Lovely Becoming. We hope you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to the Method Supply Podcast. This is Rachel, your host. Today, I'm going to be talking with Mimi Cole. Mimi and I met when I was at Vanderbilt in undergrad. Um, And if any of you know anything about sororities, she was actually my great-grandlittle in our sorority um, when I was there. So Mimi is a sweet individual. She has a lot that I know I'm really excited to hear from her today and and a lot that I know she's going to share today. So I'm very excited to have her on the podcast. Mimi, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, I'm currently uh, pursuing my master's degree in clinical rehabilitation and mental health counseling. Um, so I moved from Nashville in, the, uh, oh gosh, it's been like almost a year now. Um, wow. After graduating with um, my degree in child development, um, and I moved to North Carolina. So that's where I live right now. Um, I love podcasts and coffee shops, and um, I love meaningful friendships and reading. Um, yeah. Um, so when we were at Vanderbilt, that was, well, that feels like a long time ago, but, um, what kind of made you decide to go to Vandy and, and be a part of that school? And, and how do you feel like your experience there shaped you? Oh, yes. So I actually originally went to Vanderbilt because I wanted to study special education. Um, and so they had the best program, um, for SPED in the country. Um, and so I applied and was really hopeful about it, um, And I was really grateful for that opportunity. I also really liked their like first year experience, their freshman year stuff. Um, And so I was drawn towards that. But I actually didn't visit the campus until I was accepted. Um, And so I it it shaped me in so many ways. Um, Reflecting back, I mean, I learned so much about myself and grew so much. And I it was there that I decided I wanted to be a therapist. Um, It was there that I started therapy for myself, um, and I learned a bajillion things. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like those are such formative years for a lot of ways and a lot of reasons, and I think that looking back, there's all these positives and all these negatives and all these different things that really shape and make you who you are, and I even feel like after you graduate and you move towards being out of college, the years outside of college of learning how to live outside of what was this like almost predetermined path for you is is hard and you just learned so much about yourself yeah yes. <laughs> so now that you're in grad school um I think it was around the time that you started grad school that you started your Instagram mm-hmm. is that right yeah, um, it was, um uh the beginning of 2019 so a little bit before then and I remember you starting it and being being like, wow, this is going to be so cool. Like, I can't wait to see how it goes. And now you have over 24,000 followers, right? Somewhere around there. Yeah. And it's 
it's so cool because your Instagram has become such a platform for you to speak about what you're passionate about. Um, would you mind sharing with everyone just a little bit about your Instagram and, and what inspired it and kind of um, what you post on there and, and what the community's like? Yeah, so I started it um, originally because I saw a couple um, Instagrammers who were dietitians, actually, um, and they were posting a lot about their eating disorder recovery and disordered eating healing journeys. Um, and so I felt really inspired by them, but I was a little nervous um, about what sharing might look like. Um, fast forward, I started my own process and um, started talking about eating disorders. Um, and then I also started talking about obsessive compulsive disorder um, based on my own lived experiences. Um, and so I used to, I, I, I usually talk about those things. I've been trying to branch out a little more and talk about general therapy things that I found to be true. Um, but it seems like people are really interested in those main two topics. Yeah. And I feel like you post a lot of really great, um, great pieces of advice and tech and techniques and encourage people to process how to process information. Just, you just, I feel like you just are really open on your Instagram and I love how you're always posting on your stories. Like ask me a question, tell me what you think. And you, you like, you're very open about how you're thinking and feeling, but also you want people to share how they're thinking and feeling. Was, was there anything about your experience that kind of shaped what you wanted to create on your platform? Absolutely. I, um, I remember when I was in high school and I was um, really struggling, I promised myself that whenever I figured out a name for what I was going through or like what was the problem, I would share with other people so they would feel less alone. Um, and mm -hmm. I continue to hold true to that promise to myself, I think, um, because it's really important to me. There is, are so many people who are um, struggling in silence, and I think that they just don't have a name for what they're experiencing, and so they mm. don't know that they're not alone in it. And so um, it's really important to me um, to be able to do this work and also to um, just be vulnerable um, without oversharing, too, because that is something that I struggle with the balance between, mm. um, but really helping people understand that their experiences are not their own. Um, in yeah. the sense that it's not just them. Yeah. I like how you do touch on your Instagram and just your platform about a variety of different things as well Is I, I've been really inspired by your posts about boundaries. Cause I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Um, and it's hard because we want to be kind and we want to be loving and we want to be vulnerable and open, but we also have to know like our limits and like when it's not a good thing and whether, when it's not what is best for us. So uh, I really, I really have liked that. It's been really cool to see that grow and shape. And um, I think that it's definitely been an inspiration to everyone who follows you, I'm sure. Um, so obviously managing an Instagram account and a platform for your voice and for what's um, you've experienced and also what you want, how you want other people to be encouraged that's a, that's a lot managing that and also being in school. So how do you, how do you kind of balance all of that? Because I, I don't know. I, did you ever expect it to kind of grow into something that you spent this much time investing in the Instagram or was it, did it just, and podcasts and like all the things you're doing, like it seemed like it just exploded and blossomed into this really cool thing. So how do you kind of manage all of that with, with being in school and managing this platform? 
it's exhausting sometimes. Um, <laughs> there's so many things to do. And I thought about hiring someone a couple times to do it for me. Um, wow. but I just can't bring myself to step away from the work because I love it um, at the same time. And so uh, I always think to myself, I'm very free, but I'm also very busy at the same time in the sense that on any given day, I might have a couple hours free um, because classes are in the morning or um, maybe in the afternoon. Um, but then there's so many things that have to get done. Um, and so sometimes it's a little bit difficult to manage them all. But I do yeah. take a lot of good breaks and I um, go on walks most days um, when it's not yucky outside. Um, and I really try and take a step back because um, I used to post kind of every day and be on Instagram a lot um, and trying to keep up with the podcast was getting to be a lot as well. And so I decided I would step back from posting daily, um, step back from being on there all the time and really curate my feed to be really encouraging. Wow. That's uh, my next question was going to be how you kind of rested and took steps back and balanced between the, the rest and the work. But that is amazing. I feel like people, I feel like it's such a struggle to kind of find and be able to identify where you're spending your time and also know when you take, need to take a break. But that's, that's amazing that you're very conscious of that and kind of balancing that in your work life in school. I feel like a lot of us go into overdrive when we're in school. And then once we're out of school, we try to figure it out. So are there any books or individuals that you and resources that you have used over the past two to three years that you really have found helpful in terms of balancing life from um, between work and rest? Mm -hmm. My very favorite person is Glennon Doyle. Um, I think she's just incredible and her words are so um, important to me. And so I've read all three of her books multiple times, which is great. Um, and I really look up to her and she talks about um, how sometimes people say like, don't ever give up, don't ever quit. And she says, I quit every day. Like at the mm -hmm. end of every day, I stop and say like, I need to rest. Um, mm -hmm. And so I really love that. And I also, as most people in the world love Brene Brown. Um, I love her work on vulnerability and openness and shame resilience. And um, I think implied in her work is just this ability to have balance and rest and set boundaries with other people to protect our own energy. Um, and so I found their work to be inspirational um, as well. Um, I've been trying to kind of gather more voices into my kind of um, head in my life. Um, I've really liked this book, Braiding Sweetgrass, and I can't think of the author right mm -hmm. now, but um, it's about this indigenous women and the wisdom that comes from nature. Um, and so it's just been really sweet soaking up their, their um, talking and what they have to say to the world. That is so interesting. Do you know where um, the women live? Yes. Um, so I believe Brene lives in Texas, in Austin. Um, Glennon lives in Florida. Um, yeah. Sorry, I meant, I meant where the women in the book braided oh. sweetgrass. <laughs> See, this is why we don't record it live. <laughs> Let me look it up. Let me look it up. <laughs> <laughs> I was just I was just curious because a lot of the women in the communities where I live, mm -hmm. um, there's a large community called the Gullah community, mm -hmm. and they um, braid sweetgrass. 
in the low country and it's like a lost art that's yes. so but I don't know if it's the same one I just looked it up I think um, um yours might have been different she lives in New York um gotcha but she's a professor so I think that's probably more why that's her gotcha um so what does your daily life look like what's the method behind how you take every day step by step yeah so one thing I do not um that I, I guess I always do is that I, I sleep nine hours a night. Um, that is super important to me. I do not miss, um, sleep. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and then this is probably not the greatest habit, but when I wake up, I check my phone. Um, and I like to go through my Instagram real quick to see if there are any comments or I like to go through my email because I really love email, (laughs) 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 which is something that some people dread, but I, I get really excited. Um, and I always have breakfast, um, because nourishment is super important to me. Um, and then I usually have class in the mornings, uh, throughout the week or, um, things that I do during the day. I take walks. Um, I try to get outside of the house every day. Um, and I try to, uh, take some time away from screens at, at some points, but lately it's been really hard and comforting to have something familiar, Um, or something to do because of the pandemic and not being able to see people as much. Mm -hmm. Um, I talk to my parents most days, which is sweet. And I go to therapy. Um, Don't really go, I guess, anymore. It's really just (laughs) online. But um, I I love therapy. And um, yeah. So you've also started a podcast. Um, How has that been going? It's been really, really good. I actually just recorded an episode with um, another person that I really like. Her name is Ruthie Lindsay, and Mm. I just – her voice is so precious and sweet, um, and the words she has to say are so life-giving. And so it's been going really well in terms of the interviews. The editing process is not my favorite thing. (laughs) (laughs) I really have to like sit myself down and be like, we are going to do a podcast today. We have to. Um, and yeah. so uh, in that sense, it's kind of hard in the same way that engaging on Instagram is hard. I love it, but it's also kind of difficult sometimes with managing comments and messages and um, yeah. like that. So um, yeah, I really enjoy when it's finally published and ready and taking a quote from it. Um, and I think it's been received pretty positively, which I appreciate. Yeah. Um, what do you do now that you feel like is worth sharing with the world? What do you feel like is something that you're proud of and that you want people to know about? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, a couple things, I guess, that I'm really proud of are um, being in graduate school, um, and being, um, uh, working on a thesis. And so I'm working on doing some writing about, um, individuals who had adolescent or childhood OCD, um, and Mm -hmm. use an eating disorder as a coping mechanism following that, um, and how we can use weight inclusive care to combat the development of eating disorders. Um, And then I'm really proud of my writing. I just shared recently on my Instagram, the prologue of my book, um, which I actually wrote years ago. (laughs) Um, But I was, um, 
I wasn't sure when I was ready to share it. So I think now is a good time. Um, and I've written a bit of the book that I want to publish one day, which has been really great. Um, I can't wait to read it one day. Thank you. I'm so excited. It's such a healing process to write. Um, oh, yeah. And I'm really proud of some really meaningful friendships that I've cultivated um, with just a variety of people. And they've just been so good to me. So, yeah. Yeah. I, it's interesting. Um, Kaipo and I talk every couple of weeks on the podcast. We have a method meeting, and he and I have kind of been going through these six products of function that we talk about, six different ways that people, um, kind of pursue passions, goals, anything. And it starts with adding positivity, adding value. So learning things, learning skills, um, developing kind of their, um, just, just adding positivity anyway possible, subtracting negativity. So setting boundaries, kind of looking out for what's toxic in their life, accepting criticism, but not people being critical. They accept kind of the good critique. Um, we talked about um, multiplying community. So making sure you have people around you that can support you and also you learn from while also um, kind of having diversity there. So having people who can challenge you and support you, diversity of thought, kind of what you touched on by the different people and authors that you're reading and, and learning from. Um, and then we also talked about kind of dividing and, and making sure our time's divided, making sure we have a good balance between um, work and play and, and rest. And then most recently, we talked about um, staying rooted. So staying rooted in our values and in what we believe and in our integ and integrity and kind of what our biggest values are. Because not everyone's values are the same. Some people value loyalty a little bit more than honesty, a little bit more than communication. Everyone has different values. So um, I think it's interesting as you're talking, kind of hearing the different things that Kaipo and I've talked about before kind of pop out in your story and in your way. Um, so... In terms of your book, is your book going to be kind of diving into your story or what is it going to be talking about? I want it to be a memoir um, of just kind of the ways that I've learned um, and, and healed in therapy. Um, mm -hmm. And so I'm really looking forward to diving into different stories from um, ranging from being an adolescent to um, where I am right now. And I, I really have been gathering stories for a long time and writing for a long time. Um, and so I'm really grateful for um, the way that I can use words to express myself. So did your experiences, um, did they impact your desire to become a therapist? Yes, absolutely. Um, so in my own, um, so I started therapy, um, I think it was about four years ago now um, when I was a sophomore or, or a late freshman in college. Mm -hmm. Um, and my first therapist, as I call her, technically I had a therapist before her, um, but my first like meaningful therapist, um, she was so wonderful and so empathetic and she was able to hold space for me um, and, and really point out things that I wasn't aware of um, to help me grow. And so that experience inspired me to want to be a therapist in the first place. And then I ended up having two other wonderful um, therapists as well. Um, and so I was really lucky to have people who were consistently incredible um, because not everyone gets it on the first try. Um, so I'm deeply yeah. grateful for them and still keep in contact with a couple of them, which is really awesome. Wow. Yeah, that's great. Do you see yourself working in an outpatient therapy setting or at a college or how do, or being a professor? What do you see yourself doing? 
Yeah, so as of now, the plan um, is to work in a private group, private practice. Um, so with other um, sort of independent contractors, um, but having that group supervision aspect. Um, mm. I also really want to write this book and um, be an author and travel for tours and do retreats. And I might pursue my PsyD or PhD in clinical psychology. Um, but we'll see about that. And I also just want to connect with people, um, and understand them better and provide writing for them in words that are healing and soothing. Girl, I think you, I think you can do it. I think you're already doing a lot of that. I think you're already providing a lot of healing and soothing to people. And all of those things you've mentioned, I think you're well on your way to accomplishing them. So I, I don't see any huge barriers in your way other than if we have another pandemic. But I guess if that happens, we'll just do everything virtually again. Um, so you kind of touched on it a couple times, but what makes what you do worthwhile? Yeah, I think it's my values. Um, and so one big, there's several different modalities of therapy, but one is acceptance and commitment therapy. And a lot of that work is defining your values and moving towards your values um, in life, even when your thoughts feel opposite to them. Um, And so my values kind of are bravery and compassion and um, empathy and and storytelling, things like that. And so um, I think it's worthwhile for me when I realize there's more Um, unlearning to do and more becoming to do. Um, Mm. And that is just really special to me um, because there's just been so much, um, so much in my life that has led me to this moment and to the present of where I land. Um, But I think it's been so good in terms of um, being able to have belonging and connection with other people. And so that kind of keeps me going because um, if it were just all the hard things, then, you know, it'd be really hard to see, um, what, what the worth is in it. But this mm-hmm. process has been filled with so much light and joy as well. Um, that keeps me motivated. So kind of jumping back years and years ago, when you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up? So this is a kind of funny question. I remember writing down like random things like, um, dolphin trainer was one I remember I think I wanted to be a teacher I think I sort of thought I wanted to be a doctor because my dad mentioned that um (laughs) but never did I I didn't even know what therapy was or a therapist was um and so yeah when I was growing up I I wanted to be thin I wanted to be beautiful um and I wanted to be good so I yeah dolphin trainer that's a that's a new one. <laughs> um, did you really like SeaWorld or did you watch a lot of dolphin movies as a kid? I love dolphins and we used to take annual trips to Mexico or so. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah. You'll have to come down to Charleston and visit when everything opens up. We um, have lots of dolphins down here. Ooh, yeah. yes. So, I love them. There's a ton. Um, do you think little you would be proud of you and what you're accomplishing today? I definitely do not. Um, And I wrote about this a little while back and I was thinking that sometimes people say, oh, my inner child would be so proud of me or like my little girl self would be so proud of me. But I think she would be really disappointed in the person I've become because she would have been scared 
to be this person. Um, and just, it would have, I'm, I'm not good in the sense that I wanted to be, I'm not thin as I wanted to be. Um, and so in so many ways, I think she would have been frustrated and scared of what I've become, but I right now I'm so proud of the person that I am and so grateful for each part of myself. Um, and so even though she would have been like, what in the world (laughs) is going on? Um, and just lost a lot of the wishes I had for myself. Um, I think I'm still just really grateful for where I am right now. Wow. That's really insightful. It's really insightful. I think that's hard to admit to that. Um, I don't know that just what little us might've thought would be different than what everyone else thinks little them might've thought. Um, if you had one word to describe your journey, maybe it's your journey since you were a kid, your journey since you were in college, just your journey from one, some point in time until now, what word would you use to describe it? Um, I think I would say resilient because that's something I, um, looking back, never thought that I would be. Um, and I wanted to be resilient, but I think when I look at myself from a compassionate lens and from an outside view, like there's been so many things, um, that have been hard and difficult and I've been able to use my words and use my voice and find my voice. And so I think resilience is something that I embody. Yeah, I would agree with that. And that feeds so much on one of the values you mentioned too, bravery. Like that is, that's definitely something that I see in you, um, especially knowing you in college and now learning, re-meeting you kind of in this season and like re-getting to know you. It's really cool to see what you've done and, and kind of how you've been truly resilient. And you were resilient when I met you, but just the different seasons of resiliency and bravery and what those look like for someone. So um, if you could share a piece of advice with the world, what would it be? Yeah, my favorite thing to say that comes to mind first is like uncertainty to accept uncertainty because we never know what's going to happen. And perhaps even our best um, defenses against the possibilities will fail us. Um, And so what I mean by that is, for example, if you're constantly worried about what's going to happen next or what's going to happen in the future, you're not able to be in the present moment and you miss out on all the things that are happening And it's possible those bad things will happen despite you worrying about them and worrying Mm -hmm. isn't protective over us. Um, And so I think engaging in mindfulness and um, coming back to the present moment constantly um, is so important to living a beautiful and good life. I know that's a great piece of advice. I would come to your panels. I would come to your retreats. I I feel like in talking to you today, we've just barely scratched the surface of all of the wisdom that I think you have and you could share with the world. And so it's, I just feel like there's so much more and so many other things that um, I could ask you and that I would learn from you. Um, do you have any other lasting pieces of advice or anything else that you want to say to our listeners about your story and your experience and, um, and where you're going? Yeah, I think, um, I learned this from Ruthie Lindsay yesterday. And, um, so I want to give her credit, but accepting and honoring all the parts of yourself 
and learning new stories as we unlearn the ones that we've learned in the past is such beautiful work. And I think it's okay to let go of old belief systems and what you've clung to in the past and to um, to understand your new narratives. Hmm. Yeah, that's. I think that's so true. That's great. Mimi, I have really enjoyed talking to you today. I feel like it flew by, <laughs> but <laughs> I've really enjoyed kind of going through your story and where you are now and where you're going and all of the good that I know you're bringing into the world. Um, everyone go follow Mimi Cole on Instagram. Um, her Instagram is the lovely becoming, um, and you be able to read part of her book that she's about to hopefully release in the next, um, couple of years. I'm really excited to read it when it comes out. You'll definitely find me in that first group of people buying it. Um, <laughs> but Mimi loved having you today. Everyone go check her out. Otherwise method fam. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you soon. That was Mimi Cole on how to stay mindful on your journey towards a healthy and fulfilling life. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Method Supply Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite streaming service. That's all for now. But as always, we challenge you to find, live, and share your method today. See you next time.